because yeah. it really is a quality over quantity scenario when there's just one person doing it. Side quest accepted. The other day, I was looking through as many video games as I could find, right? I was trying to figure out how many games are based in Spain, because that was one of the selling points that we had talked about with your game, where, like, there's just not a lot of them out there. And you're making it center stage for your game. And more than that, you're doing it in a way that is unique, and it's, it's intriguing to me. So talk to me about how you went about doing that and how this world is structured. So I wanted people to be able to just go and just walk down the street and say, hey, I've never seen this sign before in my life and see the buildings, see this and that. Like I wanted them to get some kind of a feel of how the architecture is and how the the area. There's not going to be a lot of people around because it's like yeah. a warning situation. You are going to see like graffiti. It's very common to see graffiti in the big city and all kinds of different stuff. And the way that you mentioned that it would have been structured. First of all, the south Mm -hmm. of Spain, Andalusia, more specifically, which is like the biggest state in the south, it's home to what a lot of people recognize being or, for example, you see the cartoons, you usually see like the flamenco, the dancing that originated in Sevilla which is the, the, if you play the demo, that will be the last map that, that you'll see. That's more or less in an idea of Sevilla. Then there is, you see like the bullfight. That's very traditional thing that, that you recognize Spain for. That's mm. also from the style. Then you recognize some buildings that have like this Moorish or Northern Africa mixture and some Muslim influence with Christianity. That's yeah. also the South because the Moors controlled Southern Spain for a long time. And so there's a lot of things that you recognize as Spanish. So I kind of wanted to do some kind of focus that would be traditionally known as Spanish. I'd also be able to showcase a little bit of the different city. And since you mentioned about how I, I'm trying to go about it, of course, as an India I and a solo dev, I cannot do a whole open world map. I I am finding ways that I could randomize things enough that might yeah. be different enough. The idea is that if you cross a certain location in the game as you progress in the story, from there on out, it will be kind of like a different city in Spain. You will see a little bit of a different architecture there. For example, again, the last map that you play in the demo will be kind of like the, the Sevilla because you will see the Seville Cathedral, which is the largest Gothic cathedral in the world. If you went south, when you cross the river, it's supposed to be a different city. And when you go north, when you cross a, a specific line, it's supposed to be a different city to showcase some of their unique architecture and unique location. With that online community, right, a thought that comes to mind for me is like the culture within that online community. Because I think developers and like the etiquette online, how you interact with each other and things of that nature. I don't know. Is it a positive mindset? Is it a, Can it be more negative at times? How does that feel when you go into something like that? I know there is an overwhelming amount of developers that want to help each other and talk to each other, hype each other up. But, you know, from your perspective, when you look at that environment, what would your first like initial initial reaction be when explaining it? When you first start off, it can be a little bit intimidating Mm. and you might feel a little bit dumb (laughs) because you're going there and you might ask some things and Mm. for some reason, some devs expect you to know certain things and they would answer in a way or respond or do, well, this and that. It's like, like you're supposed to know these things. Like, no, I don't know. 
you know, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm asking. You know, it's yeah. like, it, it, that's why I'm, I'm also wasting my time asking this question. You know, yeah, like, yeah. I just want to, you know, go around and waste your time and be a troll. No, I'm, I'm yep. asking a very specific question. Yeah. Um, but there, there are some people that are just willing to, to help for whatever reason, either if it's out of the kindness of their heart, because they know what's going on, or if they just mm. want to show up, I don't care <laughs> as long as they get the information. And I'm, I'm like, thank you, I appreciate it. And I'm like, yep. you're my hero, whatever. I'm thankful and I can just keep on going because there's yeah. something, I'm working in Unreal Engine 5.2. Mm. That is the latest release of Unreal Engine. Right now they're in mm. the process of rela releasing 5.3, but it's not yep. released yet. Mm -hmm. So there's not a lot of documentation. There is yeah. not a lot of examples. There, there are a lot of bugs. <laughs> there are I believe it. Things there, that you have to find out on your own. And I'm having a lot of, of certain issues that yeah. I'm constantly having to travel back and forth. So every so often I do ask, hey, what's going on here? What, mm. And they have just recently released 5.2 like a few months ago. And now we're going to 5.3. So it's not like, dude, you have to be like on top of it all the time. Yeah. Um, so you can you can keep up. So you definitely have to ask some questions. So you always appreciate some people that are willing to, even if it's because they want to put up a YouTube video that so you can get more views or whatever. Hey, I I appreciate the information. You didn't have like a software background or like an engineering or like stuff that tied you into development. So what was the hardest aspect of that learning curve where you're getting into game development, you're learning the basics, you're starting to build your game out? One of the bigger issues for me starting off was just learning how to code in Blueprint. I had to get some different assets from the store and yeah. try to open them up, try to figure out how they take watched a ton of YouTube videos, read a whole lot of Reddit posts and a whole bunch of Google stuff that you can find. Yep. And so yep. I figured out how all these things work together. And I tried and tested and I crashed a bunch of times and I did mm. this and that. Because when you're testing, you may encounter, oh, you have an infinite loop like and crashes your system and yep. things like that. Because it's important. You can't just throw accidents in there and expect them to do stuff. There are usually some games that they try to market a little bit. They try to do the, the little bit of like climax build up to the demo yeah. release and then everybody come and get the demo. It's, it's actually released. Yeah. And yeah. I did not do that at all. I just kind of say, oh, you want to try the demo? I'm doing like a pre-beta build. I had them in, in Discord try it out. They gave me some some ideas, like change yeah. things, and then I put it on into into Steam. So some people will just start seeing it over time, and then I just try to improve it and improve it before I got too fast. I didn't have the people, the time to just play test the heck out of it. I had to do that over time, and then I try see. to figure out some things that I wanted to try or do. And there were some things that I had to fix. And now that I'm getting closer to the fest, I'm a lot more confident, and I'm mm -hmm. so grateful that I did it that way instead of being like, "Oh yeah, I'm just going to release the demo by these facts." The reception-wise, it's been interesting because my game, the idea of the game, is that the United states and russia are essentially now bffs are and are invading spain uh -huh. and you have to survive the invasion what you figure out what's going on and why so my idea was like hey i don't think i'm gonna get a lot of people from russia or the states interested in the game 
<laughs> because of its nature, you know. Yeah. But it's so interesting that after I looked at the at the Steam stats, mm -hmm. the most people that have gotten the game were from Russia. And the second one were from the States. That blew my mind because I was not expecting that reception. In fact, I wasn't expecting Russia to even show up on the list. Obviously, you started this before everything happened in Europe and before what's going on broke out. But as that started to unfold, I have to imagine as a developer, you would kind of take a step back and you'd be like, all right, I got to assess that before I start going back into development. How did you decide to approach that after that whole situation unfolded? And moving into now, has there been like backlash towards that or how has that worked for you? I'm actually taking events from real life that happened and putting it into the game. Yeah. And that was actually a part of it. And it was a trigger that sent things along the way of the story, which I cannot really Discussed much. I, he would, I was gonna say, can you talk about the you're taking things from real life and put it into the game? Can you elaborate on that or no? That's gonna pull things from the story. Okay, so let's see. There's something that, that you will find along the way. But let's say that the the 9-11, the war, the player's father was in the military. It, it was in the Spanish military. I see. But because of 9-11 and the war on terror, yeah. uh, at some point, the father had to be sent mm -hmm. to fight the war on terror. I see. And then he came back, was messed up, mother passed away, the father was yeah. never the same. Yeah, all, these, all this trauma that came from, and this hatred that she feels it came from these people pushing war that it shouldn't happen. And then the puppet countries, which she would refer to as the Spanish government as a puppet, because yeah. they just went along with it. She hates all of that. She hates all see. the idea of a war and anybody entangled with it. And then the later thing is just the Russian invasion. And it's just kind of like a, a trigger that just it makes her really angry and brings back all the mm -hmm. memories and things like that. So that's part of her drive. But still, she still doesn't know why they're mm -hmm. invading Spain. I do like history. I do want it to have an impact on the game. I do want it to feel a little bit more realistic. Your game is, it's ambitious. And so with that in mind, I think when I talk to developers who create larger scale games and they're 3D and they've got beautiful environments and like, you know, they're really leaning into that aesthetic. Is there a concern when you're releasing your game that players are going to try to compare it to like AAA titles that try to do similar things where they're giving you large scale worlds, they're putting you in these crazy environments you can explore? As a developer, I think a lot of times you just write that off and you say, you know what, they're AAA, I'm indie, there should be no comparison. But the problem, or maybe not the problem, but one of the things that players, I think, overlook sometimes, unfortunately, is the disparity between those team sizes, like, you know, one or two people versus like 500 people, where it's like, maybe they'll look at your game and they'll just instantly write it off because it's not too AAA quality or, wh or whatever it may be. I'm not saying your game isn't, but as like a just a general statement. So is that something that you have thought about while you're creating this game? And, and how have you approached that if that's the case? Of course, I want to try to do it as much quality as I can that part of my balance I'm trying to see okay how mm. much openness I can have in the game without losing quality 
because yeah. it really is a quality over quantity scenario when there's just one person doing it. It mm. really, really is. Dude, I want to have this area have more details, things to real life and things like that. Or do I just want to have a bunch of randomized things so I can open up the world more? Because doing just one road, it could take me weeks. Uh, yeah. While I, if I do several things enough and randomize it enough, I could do a whole city in the same time frame. So it's just like, will I will it take away the the European Spanish feel if I do randomize it enough? Will will it take away the the openness and exploration if I don't and I only focus on linear gameplay? It's a really hard question that there are some really hard questions that I had to ask myself and I'm still debating. I'm still working on it. Usually when it comes at me with those comparisons, I say, okay, what other solo indie game are you comparing my game to i am using the latest unreal engine thing to make it as as proficient as possible as good as i can and mm-hmm. with with anything that i've learned and i'm learning i there are many times that i've had to backtrack and update some things to make them look better or make them feel better or whatever and i do it because i yeah. want it to be as as good as I possibly can make. Social media is like a massive part of every game's dev cycle right now. And for you, like talking about that, how do you like maneuver those negative comments, right? The perception of what people have of indie games is that most indie games are either platformers Mm -hmm. or 2D. And it's actually pretty accurate. I mean, I, if you have looked through the last Steam Fest, through the last years, yeah. most of, of the indie games have been... 2Ds or Metroid Metroidvania. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when they oh, they see a game that is 3D as mine as a mm-hmm. third-person shooter, things like that, it's out of the norm. Yeah. So they instantly like, okay, that's the idea when it comes to, to indie games. So I think people do judge it a little bit of harder because they don't realize, oh, this is a solo indie game. Because some people actually legit judge it really badly. And this goes into looking into the comments. I do look through every comment I get. I look through every one. Yeah. And some are good, some were not so good. But I still look at it like I'm in the TikTok world. And I'm like, okay, give me some negative comments because I will TikTok about it. You know? TikTok. TikTok cycle, yep. Yeah, give me your negative comment. I'll I'll take it and I'll I'll bring it back. You know, I don't yeah, care yeah, yeah. because I I know how much effort I'm putting into it. You know how mm. much care and detail things like that. And if you're happy to spend five seconds or thirty seconds and and leave your negative comment, I'm happy to use your comment for mm. my benefit on to market the game. No. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, um, so so whatever. <laughs> I definitely did struggle quite a little bit with the combat because yes, it does have multiple layers mm-hmm. to it. My approach was I need to try to make this as fun as possible for me because I'm gonna have to they test the heck out of it. And then when you bring in special abilities mm-hmm. and when you bring in the the gun that it all has different effects on the enemies and around them. I think so that it, it can be very job intensive. What I like a lot about the, the combat and uh, and I just enjoy it a lot overall. I enjoy like rad dulling enemies because that's one of the things about the game that you will be able to rad doll your enemy in different ways mm-hmm. and it's even going to be a skill that you can level up that that it does more damage. For example, you can you will be able to ragdoll your enemy if you do a, a counter, if you do it at the right time and you counter them, 
Yeah. They will ragdoll. Or if you run and kick them, it will just kick them back and be a ragdoll. You can uh, teleport them into the air and drop them and they will ragdoll yeah. and things like that. Yeah. So, and I just enjoy the ragdoll mechanic. When it comes to bringing all these mechanics together, yes, it was very labor intensive to do something like melee combat and counter and things like that. Counter mm. from different directions, counter with different hands, counter with different kick attacks and things like that. Yeah. Walk me through implementing something like that on the technical side of things, how you approached it and how difficult that was. Because like, like you said, the melee and the combat, that's hard. But then the teleportation, that's a whole other animal because like I said, there's gravity involved. You're dropping like, I don't know, let's say you're dropping a tank on something like that is completely different from dropping like a, a I don't know, an enemy NPC on something. So how did you sort that out and bring that into this game? I had to do a lot of check and balances. For example, when you do teleport a tank on top of somebody, the tank of itself is usually just a, a static object that, mm -hmm. that, that is just there. Usually, if he doesn't come in contact with anybody, if he just touches somebody, he's not going to do anything. But when you drop it, it, it has to do something. It's, it's, yeah. So the check there was that while it's being dropped, I had to enable that once it did something, it will trigger something else, like deal damage knock yeah. them out, ragdoll them, whatever. And then there was the other aspect because there's the ability to tell them missiles, which is it's essentially like a rods of God that you teleport something heavy and big really high up in the air and they just drop it and then let mm -hmm. momentum do its thing. Yeah. So you, I had to add the, the effects that fire blowing up and things like that. And then mm -hmm. when it goes and it hits something, then it will be an explosion. It's a, it's a different mechanic. It's, it's not about ragdolling anything. It's just about when it hits on contact, it blows everything up, then it sets things on fire, and then hmm. it gets a big explosion enough that it will blow people away, damage them. It could hurt you too, if you're close enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the effects of this LV, you have to be able to time the, the effects, the, mm -hmm. the fire spreading out, you have to be able to time the sound, the sound affecting the, the enemies because it will be a big sound. So people and mm -hmm. the NPCs that hear that they'll be like, I need to go inspect what's going on. It yeah. to be the devotion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it needs to be some kind of realism to it, right? Mm -hmm. So that, that's the idea behind that mechanic. Once this game releases, do you think about something like localization? And how would you approach localization with a game that has multiple languages in it? I mean, at the moment, I don't even have a voice actor for the main character. So mm -hmm. the main character just has the subtitles or things that she is or things. Yeah. And that's it. The, the soldiers, they do speak. And that is something that, that I've created through some programs and things like that. I don't speak Russian, so I have to translate things that they would have to say. Yeah, so at the moment, what I, I have thought about is that if I do plan to do it through the different languages, mm -hmm. it would just simply be translate the what the player would say and the UI. That's basically all the things that, that that I would change at the moment because the language... Well, I say. A couple other things outside of localization, right? With something like your game currently doesn't have a publisher. I believe your game currently is not controller compatible. How did you approach those decisions and what is the outlook for those decisions moving into like early 2024 at a release date? The, the controller compatible thing, it's a... It's not a a no situation is more mm -hmm. of a I need to make sure I have the keyboard 
because it is a PC game. I need to make sure that the key bindings are good and they feel good to the player as is because there's a lot of different mechanics and, and a lot of things that, that are used uh, which are not usually used in, in other games, I guess. Mm -hmm. For example, the middle mouse button, it's yeah. usually not used in most games. And in this game, you would have to use it a lot like for your teleportation. First, my priorities is that it is a PC game. I want to get that down. Since I'm still adding more skills, I'm still trying to figure out how I'm going to place them. That's yeah. my priority first. And then I am planning on eventually having it controller compatible. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the the publishers, I've, I've been approached a little bit by some things. And I quickly informed them that at the moment, I'm waiting until after February, after some time until the game is a little bit more more developed, until I've entered in some fast, until I've gotten some more feedback, until I have a bigger bargaining chip, honestly. And then afterwards, I'll, I will see what, what they're saying, what they're offering, what what they, they have in mind. I think right now in the US, the one thing that a lot of people are talking about is like diversity in um, game development, right? They want to bring in diversity and change it. And like, I've talked to a couple developers who have touched on that a little bit where they'll talk about like you know diversity brings in different perspectives it brings in different stories it brings new people to the table and it creates this element where you can draw people in because of that and this is more that goes without saying as a cultural aspect too right because cultural diversity is something that arguably is globally is even more impactful because you're looking at these different cultures like you said that Otherwise, you would never be able to really experience like I've never been to Japan either. And, you know, I've seen Japanese games. They kind of give you that feel of like, you know, what that world is kind of like. It gives you that like snapshot or whatever. So it is interesting or like the uh, what, what was it? Uh, the newest God of War. It gave you like the Nordic feel of like old world um, Nordic states and things of that nature. So like it gives you a look at a culture or a society or a period in time that otherwise you never would have really had the ability to see or experience and that can only push creativity and push the boundaries and and it can only be good for the gaming community in my opinion so yeah i do believe that so just like little things will give you a little bit more into the culture which yeah. might be different than what you had experienced for example i live most of my life in miami or west palm in florida mm -hmm. and there are a whole bunch of orange trees in, mm -hmm. in florida but i've never seen orange trees just randomly throughout the city yeah when i came to spain however which was a little bit of a culture shock for me, which is different. I would see it throughout the city. It would just random orange trees, just random orange trees. I was yeah, like, yeah, what? Yeah. It, it's, just, it's just a little bit weird, not weird in a, in a bad way, but just a little bit different and pleasant yeah. at the same time because you have a different experience. So I have orange trees in the game. <laughs> like, it's just what it is. It's just yeah. that little tiny thing that it just sets it apart and brings it close to real life which is i don't know it's just that those little details you know yeah yeah it really is it's little details i never would have ever thought that southern spain has orange trees to be honest i i never as I've, I've never really thought about it either but this is not like a sprint to the finish line you can't just be all good on feels and like i'm so excited i'm gonna build a game i'm gonna get done the idea here is that yes when you're piped up when you start off you're all excited like man I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna build my dream game this is gonna be awesome have all this engine and things like that 
and mm-hmm. you're flying, you're roaring, man, you're you're up there. And then you find out that you, you know how to do this thing. And then you hit a wall and then you hit a, you know, you don't have one thing. Then you hit this and that. Then you hit a bug and then your game crashes and then you have to start over from like three days work because you forgot to save this or that or back up or, or you know, yep. different things along the way. And so along the way, you get worn out, man. That's why you have to learn how like you can't run on feelings, can't no. run on humans. Yep. You have to, sometimes you have to trust that guy from two or five years or whenever you started that mm. told you this was a good idea <laughs> and just keep on going like, like yep. that guy had a good idea that ha- guy had it figured out i'm gonna trust that guy because i can't trust this guy right now the important thing for for me i believe is learn how to walk you know get up every day and get some mm. steps then um you know i need to get my steps in even if it's like an hour or you can do more great and things like that but to get things in the flow there's that guilt factor that hey there's also the game development there's also life that you gotta do life that you yeah. have a family you have to spend time with family because yes. once your project is done your family is still there. Before your project started, your family was there. And then when you do take that rest, you kind of like- feel bad about it. You feel bad, you feel guilty because you didn't spend time with family or you didn't do the game. Yeah, so exactly. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough spot. No, I agree with that. I think it's an aspect of development a lot of people don't talk about, but it's one that's very important because a lot of developers, when you go into it, especially if you don't have a coding base or engineering background or like a game dev background in general, you go in and you're super excited and you just go all out on it and then after like like you mentioned a couple months or whatever it may be and things aren't going the way you thought they would and it's not just like you cranked out this game and you're done all of a sudden you start to get down on yourself things start to add up and content creation as you mentioned is something similar where you're constantly doing it because you want to force yourself to do it because if you don't do it like you said nobody else is going to do it for you and then you also have to balance that guilt because as you're doing it you're also taking time away from other stuff in your personal life so that all of a sudden it's like yes it needs done but then you also need to take time for the other things like you mentioned for your family for you know everything going on in your personal life but then when you do that all of a sudden you realize you're content creation your game is just left on the shelf and it's just like ah oh, it's a double-edged sword because you can't really win ultimately yeah definitely it's the same it's the same thing because you have so much information yeah going on in your mind at the same time where what i'm doing where i'm going you know how it needs to get it done and then when you come back, it's like, okay, what was yep. what was that information? Or what was I supposed to be doing? That's why I think it's so important to write things down. Yeah, yeah. But even then, you do have to get it back into the rhythm. Okay, I have all these things set up. Mm-hmm. Isn't that? I mean, I don't want to say it's a necessary evil to take a vacation. But like, you, sometimes it feels like that. But mm-hmm. it's yeah. very important. It's very important for your mental health or you just your regular health.